Hello and welcome to the Global Trading Podcast. I'm Terry Flanagan, editor of Global Trading. Very pleased to be joined today by Joe Wald and Ray Ross. Joe and Ray are both managing directors and co-heads of electronic trading at BMO Capital Markets. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Terry. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks, Terry. Great. Good to uh, to catch up with you. We have some some interesting topics to talk about. We'll be talking today about some topics and trends in market structure. You know, in our corner of the world, the the expectations are for some very high trading volumes and volatility. So, so wondering what potential market structure risks do you see attendant to this, and you know how can market participants best prepare for for what what may unfold well thanks for the question and and i will say that uh kind of in the not so distant uh past uh we did have quite the the volatility um you know at the onset of the pandemic in uh march and in april we saw unprecedented levels of, of volatility uh i'd be hard pressed to imagine that we'd see something like that again uh with respect to the election but if we do i think that people can take some comfort in looking back to uh the way the markets really performed at the onset of the pandemic i mean they really behaved as intended circuit breakers work you know really if volatility does become pretty extreme again we we anticipate the markets will react uh, accordingly Ray, Ray, what is your perspective on this? Are you hearing anything from uh, from clients, perhaps, or, or asking about this? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'll just kind of add to, to you know to what Joe said. We we uh, broke through uh, and smashed any prior record in terms of you know transaction volume and throughput across the industry. Uh, you know, back in March, April timeframe, and and really, uh, you know, I think kudos to the industry, lo- largely without issue. I think there were there were really no uh, major uh, venue outages, uh, brokerage outages, uh, um, kind of throughout the throughout that timeframe. Um, I think this is really just a, a culmination of all of the work that the industry has put in over the course of the last you know ten twelve years, and and. and you know, very different from where we were back in back in '08, when was kind of the last time that we saw you know major stresses in the market like this. So you do have you know people you know always always question. I, I will say that uh, I feel like uh, you know you know we feel very well prepared for for any type of market volatility, market stress, and our system's ability to handle it. And I and I think we'll, we will find. Um, that that's a, a pretty common theme kind of across the street. You know, if we, you know, I just kind of as a reminder, we we hit those uh, market-wide circuit breakers really for the second time, I think, in the history. Um, we hit them multiple times, um, and it was sort of a 20-year break between the last time. So, you know, we did see some interesting things out of that. Um, I think we, we generally saw very little participation in the those volatility auctions. I wouldn't be surprised to see that that's, you know, should we get there again, that we'll be in a, in a kind of a very, uh, you know, similar participation levels uh, and thresholds that, uh, you know, should we get there. Okay. I, I, I think that's a nice segue into, into the, my next question. So looking at a potential change in presidential administration, possibly from Republican to Democrat, and also, the SEC uh, U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission Chairman Jay Clayton's tenure is meant to to end next year. 
So there, there is some uh, talk in the marketplace that the SEC may have too much on its plate currently to really execute that before there could be some changing of the guard, so to speak. And I'm talking specifically there, SEC has been attempting to address longstanding issues around equity market data costs. So if I can quote very briefly from a recent article that was on Traders Magazine, uh, it says the challenge stems largely from the commission's willingness to take on multiple complex and contentious issues so late in its life cycle. In short, it proposes to enhance public market data feeds provided by the Securities Information Processor, the industry data utility, by introducing competition, expanding content, and overhauling governance. Ray, Ray, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that uh, the SEC has too much on its plate right now to get everything done before possible changes, or you know, might something need to be put on hold or uh, turned over to to the next leadership? I mean, look, I I guess I, I credit this commission for setting out a bold agenda for itself. You know, for the you know the, the first of uh, you know commission in a, in a while to to really um, you know dig into some of these thorny issues and, and impact meaningful change. Uh, obviously, we were all disappointed with the you know the the outcome of of the, the you know the fee pilot i i i would expect though that on um you know things like market data fees and you have broad based support across the industry with the exception of the exchanges to make change i think even the exchanges have kind of implied that they're they have some willingness um to impact change uh, i don't expect that to get done this cycle but but i do i would expect it to be kind of picked up and um you know looked at it you know by the next by the next commission Joe, any thoughts on this? I would just say to echo that, uh, you know, this had broad-based unanimous approval by the commissioners uh, that kind of really sit on both sides of the aisle. Uh, So it it seemed like from a a political perspective, uh, that wasn't something that would get in the way, regardless of what the administration is going forward, uh, specifically around uh, market data uh, and just the incredible volume of comments around both both aspects of the proposal, the SIP governance, as well as the market data contents, you know, really show tremendous appetite from uh, market participants across the board to see this continue to move through. So uh, we definitely see, see see that happening. And and obviously, you know, without the TFP pilot, that's one less thing uh, on the plate of, of the commission. Mm-hmm. So there definitely is room for this to continue to move forward and uh, would be very surprised, uh, regardless of who is in office, that okay. this would change in any way. Thank you for that. So, so let's look at some other market structure developments that are either pending or moving forward. Or so, if uh, specifically, and I and I know this is something I've spoken with you about a couple times over the last year or two. But if we were to look at the amended SEC Rule Six Hundred Six, this dates back to November two thousand eighteen, when the SEC adopted amendments to Rule Six Hundred Six of Regulation NMS mandating that brokers provide more disclosure. Now, that has moved forward. I know uh, recently there's been some minor delays associated with, with COVID and people working from home. But I'm, I'm wondering, Joe, what is the current state of the landscape with the amended SEC Rule 606? And you know, how do you see this unfolding? And how is it affecting market structure? Sure. I think, uh, you know, this is the big question on, on a lot of people's minds, which is, you know, now that 606B and, and, and the look-through aspect of the report have been approved and, and are going to be part of a, a regulatory mandate, 
what is what is the utilization of it going to be? Um, I think that that we're pretty excited to be able to share some of the findings that 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 we found out. Uh, there'll be a, a new Greenwich uh, research paper coming out that that we uh, helped commission uh, that really does address and kind of asks those questions to market participants, specifically on the institutional side as well as on the broker dealer side uh, about utilization and uh, the data that we have giving you an early look on this uh, is that uh, about 84% of buy side firms are going to be requesting the report and and even more interesting about 73% of those buy side firms are going to be requesting that report on a quarterly basis. So they'll be looking at it very regularly. I was just uh, hosting a a town hall chat um, with with a uh, with former commissioner Robert Jackson, um, and, and he was you know you know very pleased to hear uh, because that was that was one of the questions he had and it, on his mind as well was now that we did all this hard work to uh, t- to get this new rule out there how many people are going to use it so I think uh, you know a lot of people are going to be leveraging and looking at that report uh, so that's one thing that was pretty interesting and I'd say. The next thing, uh, or, or just piece of data that's coming out of the report that that was really encouraging and exciting for us to to, to hear was data usage beyond what's required in six hundred six. About seventy percent of respondents to the survey said that post twelve months of receiving the six hundred six B three look through reports, they anticipate asking for more data than is what's required on those reports. So uh, the appetite for for data, the appetite for uh, you know routing analysis uh, continues to be there. It looks like this rule is going to spur not only you know the minimum information that's coming out by the report uh, and and hopefully you know really democratize uh, you know the, the the kind of prevalence of that data and the ease of of, of getting that data for most buy side players, not just the, the largest ones. Uh, but it's also going to spur real curiosity and real desire to find out even more and, and even far, further beyond the, the requirements of 606. Wow, that, that, that's really interesting, some of the numbers you cite. So, so of this, a, approximately 20 or 30 percent of buy-side firms that were not cited as wanting more information or going to use this, do you think that there's a level of awareness that needs to be raised or more education on, on the part of those firms. And, you know, perhaps one or two years from now, they'll be in with the group that uh, is utilizing this data to its to its full maximum benefit. Well, I, I believe uh, that that is that is absolutely going to happen. Uh, I, I think that, you know, you've got this as a regulatory mandate. So, you know, you're going to have brokers that, that, that are going to fulfill their requirements. You know, overall, you know, when you have a, a, a new mandate like this uh, of such, you know, high importance with respect to, you know, ultimately helping people decipher execution quality, I think pressure from both the regulatory uh, uh, regimes and asset owners uh, as they become aware of this report are really going to put a lot of pressure on folks to, uh, to, to leverage and to use it properly. Ray, any uh, additional perspective on, on Rule 606? Um, I mean, no, I think, you know, generally speaking, um, I think this was a, a real, um, you know, positive step forward uh, for the industry and kind of this demand for transparency where, you know, put, you know shedding light on routing practices is, is, is definitely a net positive, uh, you know, for the industry. I'd say this was a, a pretty major upgrade. Um, we've been working closely with clients over the course, really, of the last year to make sure that they that they have the data that they need um, to to meet their uh, their client requests. And I, I'd say, generally speaking, we feel 
you know, you know, ready for the for the for these B three requests to become a regular kind of you know part of the the best execution process across the industry. Okay, if we can move on to one more aspect of of market structure that's been talked about a lot in recent years, the consolidated audit trail. This is meant to provide regulators with a much more comprehensive window of market activity and has had a number of stops and starts in over over the past couple of years. Uh, it is does seem to be moving forward again in in earnest. So so Ray, uh, what is your sense of the the state of the landscape on the cat as it's as it's called, and you know how is this going to be impactful to market structure? Uh, so I think state of the landscape. Uh, I would say that we're, we're we're probably sort of on the uh, on the goal line here. Um, I mean, you know, we're, we're you know, brokers are now reporting. We're starting to get feedback. So I guess you know we have a kind of a live system up and running in terms of the the reporting regime. I think there's there, we're still dotting I's and crossing T's. You know, what I'm hearing kind of you know through the industry is there there's still work to be done um, in terms of getting it all right. But it's you know we're taking steps and making progress every day. I look forward to the day that we are no longer need to uh, supply uh, the our oats data and can only only need to supply our cat data to Finra. Um, and that, I believe that's coming soon. I think they just moved up the date, um, or Finner proposed to, to move up that date. So I think as an industry, we feel, we feel good about our ability to meet the meet the mandate, uh, you know, the rule. Um, but you know, and I think you know, broadly speaking, you know, again, this is another step forward in in terms of transparency and um, you know, getting more data out into in into the hands of the you know the regulators so that they can you know have a better view of you know, market practices, routing practices, um, and and hopefully will lead to kind of the next uh, wave of upgrades to you know to to market market infrastructure uh, in the years to come. Joe, is CAT something you're looking forward to? Uh, well, I mean, uh, definitely looking forward to anything that can help the markets uh, and, and market participants uh, have better quality execution. What I will say, uh, in addition to, to to what Ray was talking about with respect to CAT. Uh, and kind of going back to uh, the court's ruling on the transaction fee pilot, um, you know, while they said that a pilot of that nature was outside of the mandate or the scope of the SEC, they were very clear uh, to say that it was not uh, outside of their rulemaking capability. Uh, so when you take the data that's going to be coming from CAT and the data that, that's going to be coming from uh, the new uh, 606B3 reports, I think what you have is a, a, a tremendous amount of new data uh, that the SEC and other regulators can use uh, to make a data-driven approach around rulemaking uh, that, that you know, may kind of bring back some of the, uh, so, some of the objectives uh, that, that I think people were looking forward to seeing within the pilot, uh, but being able to do so via that data and then, you know, subsequently just going straight to rulemaking. So I, I think that that's an interesting component uh, of CAT that, that hasn't been discussed much. Okay, if I can wrap up with my final question, really, I think it kind of ties this, this discussion together. But if if we were to look, what, what can realistically be expected in terms of improvements to market structure, say, either by year end 2020 or 2021? And if we just can consider the, the few things that we talked about specifically on this podcast so far, Rule 606, Consolidated Auto, Auto, Auto Trail, and 
anything else really. So, so what do you think, Joe? What, you know, how might market structure be different in better in three months time? And then say further out, what can the market realistically expect? Well, one of the things that, that I've seen throughout my career, uh, especially in the equity markets, is that in many respects, big regulation uh, does spur on big innovation. Um, and, and I think we're seeing that today with uh, you know new exchanges coming out, new order types coming out, uh, this incredible desire uh, for for you know execution quality providers uh, like ourselves to to be in a position to work you know on ways to make our order routing processes and practices uh, you know that much more refined to be able to to find better quality uh, liquidity for our clients. Uh, so I think that. You know, there are a lot of improvements uh, that are on the way. Uh, I think that, again, you know, a lot of this regulation is definitely going to spur some innovation. Uh, and we're looking forward to seeing uh, kind of this, you know, latest kind of move towards, uh, you know, kind of taking that next step to, to have more transparency in the marketplace, provide real results and, and better outcomes for, uh, for all market participants. Ray, any final thoughts? Uh, you know, look, I, I think for the first time in a long time when I'm hearing and seeing as exchanges moving past fee changes as means to innovate within the market space. And we're really starting to see more and more order types geared towards you know, natural investors, uh, more and more order types geared specifically to- towards institutional investors. Um, you know, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see things like periodic auctions, you, you know, you know, the VWAP or interval crosses. Um, you know, sort of new mechanisms of, of matching similar to, you know, to Mellow um, or to the DPEG order type. So I think we're starting to see, lot, you know, lots of interesting innovation um, in trying to kind of put t- back together um, natural to natural crosses, uh, particularly in block size. And I, and I expect that, that that trend to accelerate and continue in, into the new year. And, I, and I'm, I'm hopeful to, to, to see that as well. Okay, thank you, gentlemen, for a very informative discussion here. Uh, Joe and Ray, thanks again for for joining us today. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, Terry. I'm Terry Flanagan with the Global Trading Podcast. My guests today were Joe Wald and Ray Ross. Joe and Ray are managing directors and co-heads of electronic trading at BMO Capital Markets. 